24-7 NFL insider John McMullen. It's coordinator day today, the final day, the final look, the final conversation before everybody turns the page and they look ahead to the upcoming opponent back on the road, uh, the Denver Broncos. Uh, wait till the Eagles will begin our conversation about Denver uh, tomorrow night. Right now, we'll ask John McMullen to tell me everything he was going to talk to Jody Mac about this morning on Birds 365 <laughs> uh, that nobody actually got a chance to hear. And it was going to be some great convo uh, as Jody Mack returning uh, from a four-day hiatus uh, down to the Sunshine State. And the first time Mac and Mac were going to be back, and it wasn't meant to be. Yeah. Um I was looking forward to it today. So maybe the Xfinity gods were protecting Jonathan Gannon uh, today because, uh, you know, a lot of fans accused me of protecting Jonathan Gannon. I can assure you it wasn't going to happen this morning. Um, But now we get to do it at night and uh, hopefully – uh, Jody and I will get back together on Thursday. I have COVID testing tomorrow, so I'll stop in at the top of the show. But yeah, sometimes you're at the mercy of tech problems, and you got to get one percent better, Crossy. One percent better every day. That's a good. That's that's what we try and do, and continue to uh, bring. Maybe good Xfinity should try and do that. Yeah, I don't want to. Don't want to go. Listen, at first. I thought it was an issue on this end. And then Xander said, no, it's not on this end. Johnny Mac has a problem and Jody Mac has a problem. Yeah. And then uh, what was later uh, discovered is that it was a lot bigger than just uh, Jody Mac, Johnny Mac and Xander Kraus. It was the, it was the Delaware Valley, the region and a lot of States uh, that yeah. ended up with that. But anyway, I digress of uh, coordinator day today, Johnny Mac, uh, uh, conversation. What's the order down at uh, uh, show up for coordinator day in terms of uh, in terms of uh, who speaks first? How does it go? Um, is it one right after another? What's the pl- what's the lineup? Um, the lineup is typically Michael Clay leading off, uh, Shane Steichen batting second, uh, and Jonathan Gannon. Uh, going last, as you can imagine, um, as the Sinatra of the coordinator day acts, uh, the opening acts are done, and then it gets to the defensive coordinator. Occasionally that'll change, but on a normal week, and we've gotten into that uh, normal part of the schedule, Sunday games, no short weeks, nothing of that nature. It's typically uh, Michael goes first, Shane Steichen, then Jonathan Gannett. I do want to ask you about uh, your thoughts uh, um, on Michael Clay. And I don't know whether or not he was, I don't know whether he ever gets asked about this or not, but we do now have a, you know, a body of work to look at. And the one thing that has been, you know, unusual to say the least has been, in my opinion, um, the inconsistency of, whether it's Jalen Rager or Quez or whoever's back on the return, it just seems like they, they're, they're not quite sure what to do. Now, 
That may not even be accurate. I don't know. That's what I see. I don't even know if it's ever talked about uh, or addressed. Do you see that? Or, or, or am I just oh, misrepresenting yeah. what that, I see? You know, that was most of Michael Clay's uh, press conference today was about the kick returns because – and by the way, I mean, I, I wrote about this, as a matter of fact, for Sports Illustrated today and the fact that uh, uh, the Eagles kickoff returns have generally not been good. Now, you know, it's the modern NFL. They changed the rules. It's not that important. They returned 15 kicks to give you an example in nine games. Uh, that's it. Um, you know. Uh, back in the old days before they shifted uh, the rules uh, because it's such a dangerous play from a safety standpoint. Now it's, you know, more often than not, it's 10 seconds to the touchback and you start at the 25-yard line. And generally the Eagles should do that. I mean, you know, if the ball is in the end zone, even a yard, they should just take a knee and take it at the 25-yard line. They don't have a kick returner capable of bringing it out and, and making a big splash. I always bring up poor Daryl Patterson because he's probably the best in the NFL at doing it, has been a very long time, has tied the NFL record for kickoff returns. You know, that guy can take it nine yards deep uh, and take it to the house at any time. There are very few kickoff returners like that. Most special teams coordinators will tell you, as I said, just take the knee and take the 25-yard line uh, because that's better than what you're going to do. You saw John Hightower, who got elevated last week from the practice squad, get one opportunity. He took it about two yards deep, and he got out to the 15-yard line. That's just not a good decision. Um Quez Watkins, it's interesting. You know, Quez, Quez has plenty of speed, as we know. But he doesn't have that lower body strength. He doesn't have that big lower body. If you think about the great kickoff returns, what you have to do, you have to have that speed, but you got to be able to break that first tackle. you got to be able to break through. you got to have that tremendous lower body strength. And I bring up Patterson again. That's what he has. And then he's off to the races. So Quez can't break that first tackle. The Eagles' best kickoff returner, their most successful kickoff returner, has been Jalen Rager. <clears throat> but again, then you have some problems with sometimes he doesn't make the right decision. Should he take it out? Should he take the 25? If I'm Michael Clay, I, I tell them to put their feet on, on the goal line, and if it's over their head, take the 25. They don't have a good kick returner, bottom line. I know we didn't get an opportunity to to apply the thought process to punt to returning a punt because the Chargers didn't punt the football uh, on Sunday. But that's the other area where, and I think for the most part, it was Jalen Rager um, who's always been back there. And boy, does he look un he looks uncertain on you know on punts on punt returns. Uh, for sure, for what it's worth. Yeah, no, you're right. That's part of the issue. I think Jalen has more of that lower body strength I was talking about as a kick returner. So he can break that first tackle. And he said he had a 44-yard return, I think, in Carolina 
that was by far the Eagles' best kickoff return this year. Um, and maybe that's his way to contribute because he's not contributing as a wide receiver. Lord knows that. So, you know, maybe he can get some confidence. But you're right, as a punt returner, you know, it's a lot different than kickoff returns. I think there's a lot of kickoff returns who aren't punt returners and vice versa. There's a lot of punt returners that aren't kickoff returners. Uh, Jalen has been doing both. Um, and I agree with you. I don't think he always makes the best decisions when it comes to punt returns. I think as a kickoff returner, he's fine. As a punt returner, he's probably back there because you don't have anybody better to be honest. Let's transition out of that conversation into uh, since Shane Steichen is two in the, uh, number two in the hole on coordinator day. We'll uh, talk about the offense. Certainly, uh, at least from an offensive standpoint, um, coming out of the game on Sunday, uh, the offense was, would you say, competitive in the guts of the game? Um, controlled certain <laughs> elements uh, while they were on the field, did enough to compete and and found themselves in a tie football game with six minutes left. So uh, I don't know. Shane must feel <laughs> – did they feel pretty good about it? Did Shane feel okay about the offense? On well, Shane, Shane's uh... – uh, Shane's never going to give you anything. I've said that in the past. Shane is uh, Shane is Mr. Coach speak. If we were talking about the Eagles coaching staff, he's the guy who's just going to uh, revert to the cliches. Really nice guy, but he's not going to give you uh, much information. Um, but yeah, I think as a whole, more so from Nick Sirianni, I, I think, you know, they were fine with the offensive performance, understanding what the plan was. And the plan was to run the football against the 32nd ranked uh, uh, defense against the run in the NFL. That's the Chargers. And they ran it effectively. Look, they didn't throw the ball a lot. There wasn't a lot of volume. Um, we talked about the missed throws early in the game to Dallas Goddard, later to Devontae Smith. Uh, both could have been touchdown passes. You got to hit those. Shane did mention that. Uh, and Jalen Hurts mentioned that, so he understands it. But um, if you go to the fourth quarter down 24 to 17, and I've said this pretty consistently, and I hope people are listening again because I'm going to say it again. In my mind, that was the best drive of the season, of the entire season for the Philadelphia Eagles. And a lot of that had to do with the playmaking ability of Jalen Hurts. Um, we are where we are. We're the same place we were um, in week one, to be honest. And, you know, you might consider that a problem or you might consider it a solution. The Eagles have a very unique quarterback who can make plays in different ways, and he's not consistent throwing the football. It's where we were in week one. It's where we are entering week 10. John, does Shane Steichen work one-on-one -on -one with Jalen at practice? 
is he does he <clears throat> have influence over Jalen's mechanics? Does he have influence over what Jalen is evaluating in real time when he's looking at um you know, when he comes off the field and he's looking at the tablet, does, does Shane have conversations with him about that? <clears throat> yeah, not so much the mechanics part of it. That's, that's the position coach. That's Brian Johnson who works with that stuff with the quarterbacks. Um, he, he, he runs the offensive meetings, uh, Shane Steichen, much as Nick Sirianni did for Frank Reich in Indianapolis. That's how they, They've set things up. Uh, Kevin Petulo, by the way, is a big part of that as well, the passing game coordinator. So, yeah, I mean, look, this offense is about Nick Sirianni, Shane Steichen, and Kevin Petulo. Those are the guys who are putting together this offense on a weekly basis. So they all have a big input on Jalen Hurts when it comes to running this particular offense. Uh, as far as the, again, the, you know, in the trenches, so to speak, when you're talking about individual work, when you're talking about fundamentals, when you're talking about mechanics, that's, that's Brian Johnson. That's the quarterback's coach. But is it, and I'm trying, I I guess where I'm trying to get to is somebody has to help develop Jalen Hurts. He's not going to roll into the National Football League as a second-round pick after he played 55 games or whatever he did at a high level at Alabama and Oklahoma um, and then come into the NFL without getting some help with the development of the position. And part of that growth will allow him – to not waste opportunities. That's what I'm trying to, I'm trying to get to is, is that there or is this foot, is this coaching staff able to develop Jalen hurts and make him a better quarterback? Or are we just relying on Jalen to get better after each week of experience? No, I mean, you know, player development is a big part of the NFL in every city, not just Philadelphia. I, you know, I say this constantly, you know, I think too many fans think you draft a player and that's the player and that's it. You know, that's, that's the start and it could be anything. Uh, It could be the quarterback, could be a running back, defensive tackle, defensive end. Everybody's got to be developed. And player development is a big part of this league. You see it all across when it comes to quarterbacks. You call, you see it, you know, look, look at the top draft picks, Uh, Trevor Lawrence and Jacksonville starting out number one, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance on and on. Justin Fields, he got to see last night. Um, All these teams have to develop these young quarterbacks. The Eagles are in that same category and, yeah, I mean, everybody has a hand in that. Brian Johnson has a hand in that. Kevin Petulo does. Shane Steichen, Nick Sirianni. I mean, they're all working to develop uh, Jalen Hurts and to make him the best potential quarterback he could be. Um, 
you know, the the questions are the 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 piece of clay isn't as talented as the piece of clay in Jacksonville, uh, from a trait standpoint, to use an example. Um you know, but it doesn't mean you can't have success. Um, and the Eagles, man, that's what they do every day, trying to get um, trying to get Jalen Hurts up to speed, trying to get Jalen Hurts up to being a high-level NFL quarterback. The bigger question we've been asking all throughout the season is, what is the evaluation? You know, last two weeks, which the Eagles have had success, They've scaled things back pretty dramatically. Now, is that because they're facing two consecutive opponents in Detroit and the Chargers who can't stop the run? Could be just as simple as that. They're taking advantage of what those two teams do poorly. If it's more than that, like that ends in Denver. I mean, Denver's not a great team, but they have a great defensive coach in Big Fangio. And I was on locally in, in South Jersey with our buddy, Rich Q. And I said, look, if there is any coach, defensive coach, you could give me to make things difficult for a young quarterback, any young quarterback, from Trevor Lawrence on down, it's Vic Bangio. He's going to make it really, really, really difficult for young quarterbacks. Always has, always will. Um, they're not terrible against the run. So you're going to have to go about things in a different way this week. And I think it's going to tell you a lot about where the Eagles stand with Jalen Hurts. Did they scale back things to help Jalen Hurts? Or did they scale back things because of the opponents, the last two opponents. I think we're going to see that this week. Good stuff. Look forward to that. Sunday at 4.05, football 24-7 with NFL insider John McMullen, presented as always by Stateside Vodka. Our great friends at Stateside are still providing 15% off of the Stateside Vodka Soda. We sold out of all the one-liter bottles. Now let's sell out of the Stateside Vodka soda, get 15% by using that keyword, Jacob, statesidevodka.com. I guess we'll spend the uh, remaining time that we have uh, on a coordinator day um, talking about uh, Jonathan Gannon. Um, boy, I wish I could just snap and listen to the press conference, uh, mm -hmm. John. How was it? Uh, you know, a cordial... Uh, was the Philadelphia media cordial to the defensive coordinator today as he came to the podium? Yeah, I think I, I, I think we're always cordial. Um, in you know, tough. I should say tough. Cordial yeah, is I mean, correct. No, cordial I, is he, correct. I should say he, tough. He got asked every question he should be asked, um, starting with the obvious, uh, the completion percentage again you know, over 80% for Justin Herbert, fifth time in nine games, really good quarterbacks, you know, Dak Prescott, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Derek Carr, and now Justin Herbert. So it's not like they're doing it against Manny Bowen and Jack. Um, 
different era of football, easier to complete uh, passes than ever before. Um, all that context is, should be entered into the equation. But the bottom line is in the previous 70 years, Krause, it happened six times. Completion percentages of over 80% or more. When you're talking about 25 throws in a game, mm -hmm. it's happened five times in nine games. Um, so even with the, the stipulation that what I said, it's easier to throw the football than ever before in the NFL. Um, it's still in unacceptable number. Now, a lot of it is going to be, you know, corrected just by the opponents coming up on the schedule, not necessarily this week. Um, Teddy Bridgewater is Denver's quarterback. He's completing 70% of his passes anyway. There's a perfect example. Uh -oh. I mean, uh oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, Teddy Bridgewater's completing 70% of his passes. I he, he does a lot of check downs, a lot of short stuff. So it might not show up this week, but I do think people have already seen it. You saw it against Sam Darnold. Uh, you saw it against Jared Goff. Look, they're capable of doing some things against lesser quarterbacks, and lesser quarterbacks are coming up whether it's going to be Daniel Jones with the Giants or, you know, whoever's going to start for the Saints, it's probably going to be Trevor Simeon. Who's ever going to start for the Jets, it's probably going to be Mike White. Who knows when they get to that point. But it's not Justin Herbert. It's certainly not Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes. So a lot of that is going to be self-correcting. I, what's not going to be self-correcting is the personnel on this team. And I look directly at the defensive line because, look, the back seven's not supposed to be that good other than Darius Slay. Um, you know, when your best linebacker, and I love him, and I think he's proven a lot over the past two weeks – and he might be better than people think. But T.J. Edwards is probably not the best linebacker on 31 other teams in the NFL. I mean, that's how bad the Eagles linebacker situation is. Um, safeties are not much better. Uh, their best safety this year has been Marcus Epps. Again... I, I like Epsi as a person. I think he's uh, um, better than people think he is. But I don't know too many NFL teams where Marcus Epps would be the best safety. You're going to see two safeties this week. Uh, Justin Simmons is one of the best safeties in football in Denver. Um, Kareem Jackson's more of a veteran guy. Um, there's some serious, serious personnel deficiencies on that side of the football in Philadelphia, the defensive line is not supposed to be one of those. Mm -hmm. The defensive line does not have personnel deficiencies, but those guys aren't playing well. And I mean, every single one of them is playing to a level less than what was expected of them, including, including Javon Hargrave. 
Now, Javon Hargrave played great for the first month, but ever since then, hasn't played near the level that you expect him to play, not over that first month when he was one of the best defensive tackles in football. What you expected him just coming in as a second-year player in Philadelphia, and you said, oh, he's a pretty good player. Hasn't played like it over the past number four or five weeks. Um, and he's the best. We Fletcher Cox has taken plenty of hits. It's not playing like Fletcher Cox. Josh Sweat, we talked about over the summer, looked like he was ready to take a big step forward. Hasn't taken that big step forward. Derek Barnett might be the only more unpopular guy in Philadelphia right now than Jonathan Gannon. Uh, continue to make mental mistakes, no production. And then you talk about the backups, you know, the rookies, Milton Williams, Marlon Tui Pelotu, and Teron Jackson, they're playing like rookies. Hassan Ridgeway's playing like a backup. It's a disappointing group. It's supposed to be the strength of this team. It's been anything but. John, if the back seven was better, meaning different names that made up the back seven, better players, would the defensive line be playing any different than they are right now? Well, you're always better. I mean, it's 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 a blend coverage rush. JG will say that every week. Rush coverage. It's it's always a blend. So if you have better players up front, your secondary is going to be better. If you have better players in the secondary, your front's going to be better. Look, if they had Darius Leonard playing linebacker, when JG was with him in Indianapolis, if they had Harrison Smith playing safety. JG was with him in Minnesota. If they had him, was Fletcher Cox? Are they going to get to the quarterback? Are they Fletcher get... Cox is going to look better with those players. Mm-hmm. It's going to look better with those players. I mean, and and uh, those players are 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 going to be helped, um, you know, by great defensive linemen and vice versa. But I mean, look, like I said, I mean, Darius Leonard or or. Or T.J. Edwards, you know. That's not an insult to T.J. Edwards. One guy's an all-pro level player. One guy's an undrafted free agent overachieving. Um, You know, Harrison Smith is an all-pro player. Um, Ironically, Marcus Epps was drafted by Minnesota, was a backup there, six-round pick, uh, picked up on waivers by, by the Eagles a couple years ago. He'll tell you, you know, he's told me many times how good Harrison Smith is. I mean, well, good players are good players. You're going to see one of them in Denver. And Justin Simmons might be one of the few safeties in football who can call himself a peer to a guy like Harrison Smith. Those guys are different. They're different players. They make a difference on the field. Well, it sure is hard for the general manager to build and construct a team on both sides of the football, but perhaps some of that draft capital should be utilized on the defensive side of the football. And I'm not talking about an edge rusher. 
Well, you know, they haven't drafted a a first round pick on the defensive side since Derek Barnett. If you think about you go back to before Derek Barnett, who was 2017, it was Marcus Smith, who was 2014. And obviously that didn't work out. Uh, Before Marcus Smith, it was Fletcher Cox way back in 2012. So this team hasn't used a lot of first round picks um, on, on the defensive side of the football. Now they have drafted guys in premium rounds. They tried to fix the cornerback issues with Sidney Jones, Rasul Douglas. They got it wrong. Um, You know, they drafted Davion Taylor in the third round, but that's a very raw player. You go back to Jordan Hicks, who was a good third round pick, but they let him walk. Um, Took team too expensive, too injury prone, uh, and he's still playing well in Arizona. Um, so you know, people in the NFL often talk about stacking uh, good decisions, and good things happen when you stack good decisions. Well, when you stack bad decisions, bad things happen. There's a lot of bad decisions and and what I just mentioned. And on that note, it's a perfect way to end football 24-7 with NFL insider John McMullen here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Uh, back to work tomorrow. Uh, Johnny Mack will be uh, down in South Philadelphia. He will make an appearance on Birds 365. Should be Jody Mack. Uh, and I guess Jeff Kerr will be in the hot seat tomorrow along with uh, uh, John McMullen. And then we'll see you back here tomorrow night. We'll see you on Birds 365 uh, for the reunion uh, with Jody Mack. <laughs> Mack and Mack for, for yeah. two hours. We had about we, we, 20 we minutes. It. You we had about we 20. miss it, Johnny Mack. You had about 20 minutes of it. It was getting going, too. It was that, getting going. Yeah. And then so, bang. Bang, out of nowhere. We look forward to uh, uh, to that. Great stuff, Johnny Mac. Appreciate it, my friend. And uh, we'll talk with you uh, tomorrow. All right. Thanks, Charles. All right. Good stuff from John McMullen. Thank everybody for, uh, and don't forget, like, share, and subscribe. See you next time, everybody.